I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Happy Monday, y'all. Hope you had a good weekend. There's been loads of good content coming out the last few days. We've had Snapchat's been fun to watch. The players have been getting a little bougie with their hotel rooms and the food that's been on offer. There's been some great media availability. But most importantly, Bleacher Report released their flawed top 100 players in the NBA list. I'm joined by Mr. Wayne Breezy and Mr. Tim Shields, and we're going to dive right into this. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. I'm doing great. Oh, man, what a list, too. Top 100 players. We got, we, we, we got to get to how many Celtics made this list. Because I got five Celtics that made this list in the top 100. And that's good. And then I want to get down to, like, the top 10 and see if any one of those five players you felt should have been in the top 10. All right? And then we'll go ahead and break down the positions, man. This is going to be a great, great kickoff to our show. All right. So, at number 54. Now, you guys got to help me with these positions because they play every position in the starting five. Marcus Smart, shooting guard at number 54. Number 43 was Gordon Hayward. Shooting guard. Number 30 was Jalen Brown, shooting guard. Number 24 was Kimball Walker, point guard. And number 11 was Jason Tatum. I guess he's a small forward, power forward, shooting guard. Whatever you want to call him, he he plays it all. Five Celtics made the top 100, man. That that should be great news for Celtics uh, fans. But let's talk about if we felt like any one of these players were snubbed. So I'm going to go through the top 10 and you guys, you know, see what you guys think. All right. So at number 10, we have, uh, you're going to be mad. <laughs> All right. Chris Middleton at number 10. Number nine, Jimmy Butler. Number eight, Anthony Davis. Number seven, Damian Lillard. Number six, Nikola Jokic. Number five, Luka Doncic. Doncic? Forgot to say his name. Number four, James Harden. Number three, Kawhi Leonard. Number two, LeBron James. And number one, I'm not going to mess up his last name, even though I want to try to say it, but it's Giannis Atatakumpo. <laughs> so, so let me just to clarify this so this top 10 this is the top 10 overall this is regardless of position this is top 10 this is top 10 overall regardless of position right so why is chris middleton there so jason tatum was number 11 tim and adam and chris middleton made number 10 so i'm more mad that jimmy butler made number nine (laughs) wait jimmy butler's had a decent season man and not Jimmy a top Butler 10 player shot, in the league season. Jimmy Butler shot 24, well, let's call it 25% from free. Jimmy so, Butler scored less points. Jimmy Butler grabbed less boards. Yeah, but he's he's been an impact for that Miami Heat team, and he's brought them... Has he? Or has, has he's, Bam? He's given them a good playoff hunt. Listen, when you got a game plan for Jimmy Butler, Bam it can, can go off. They're... they're, they're Bench cast can go off. I mean, because Jimmy Butler demands what double teams every game that frees up guys. Guys can't single team Bam. He's a he's a beast down there in the paint. That cast going off. They're hot, man. They're really well. They were hot 
till COVID hit. So, yeah, I just think that Butler's biggest look. Butler's biggest positive is his defense. Jason Tatum's big, biggest jump is his defense. Tatum mm-hmm. gives you more reliability from deep. He gives you more reliability on the drive. He also gives you more rebounds per game too. I feel like they've kind of looked at what Jimmy's achieved previously in his career. And then the jump that Miami's made a little bit now, I personally put down more to Bam and to finding guys like Kendrick Nunn, like Diamonds in the Rough. And then Jimmy's came in and really showed them how to hustle and what the what that Miami culture should be like. So for impact, I get it. But for play, for skills, I, I feel like that Jimmy Butler at nine and Tatum at 11, I'm not cool with that. I, I'm... I'm offended that Middleton got 10. I'm in, enraged that Jimmy Butler got nine. So my big thing is, I think Jimmy Butler is a great player, and I agree with what Adam said. I feel like, and this is probably what, when it comes down to it, when they look at these ratings, when they start ranking players, I think they make the mistake of thinking about, oh, what has this player done in the past versus like what have they done for me lately? So... I don't think Jimmy Butler should be number nine. I think he's had a decent season, but I don't think Miami is like blowing teams out of the water or anything like that. And they're still a very good team. And Jimmy Butler is still a very good player, but I don't think he's had a top 10, like a top 10 player kind of season, nor do I think Chris Middleton does. And granted, we joke about him lighting up the Celtics all the time and shooting 50% from deeper, some insane amount from the field whenever he plays Boston. But if you ask someone, if you met someone on the street and asked them to name the top 10 NBA players, I don't know. I know for a fact that Chris Middleton's not going to come out of their mouth. Jimmy Butler, maybe, maybe, but Middleton. <sighs> I mean, at least with Middleton, he, he plays his role, you know, like he's, I feel like Middleton's presence on that books roster gives Giannis so many extra driving opportunities just because teams have to make sure that they're closing out on Middleton. And the ability that he's got to beat guys off the dribble, to drain those jumpers in guys' face, means that Giannis has that extra step to kind of build speed on his drives. So I can see why he's there, but again, and and don't forget he's also a starting forward on one of on the best team in the league, if you go by the standings. And, and for shooting, don't get me wrong, he's having a great season from the field. He's shooting almost 42% from deep. Mm-hmm. So, and he's shooting just about 50% from the field overall. So he's doing what he's supposed to do in providing shooting offense on a team that outside of Giannis and Middleton, they don't have a ton of firepower. But I don't know. I wouldn't say that he's a top 10 NBA player. He's having a great season, but no. Yeah, you can leave Middleton in the top ten, but take Jimmy Butler clean. I, I, I'm not having that. I am enraged, dude. I'm I'm opposite of that. I I don't think Middleton belongs in the top ten. It could meant to me. Middleton is is benefiting from the Giannis factor. He because he can he only has to play his role. Granted, he typically shoots rather decent or very well against most of the teams in the NBA. But like that's like his only role. Like I mean, he's a long, lanky guy, so I guess he defends on the perimeter pretty decent. But to be in the top ten, I I really feel like Jason Tatum got snubbed. Like I really do. And not being a homer, but I mean, this kid's numbers are ridiculous. And he's still growing, right? So I, I tell you what, this will be the last season Jason Tatum will be 
will not be in the top 10. Like, so he will be in the top 10 going forward. I guarantee it because he's only progressing and getting better with his game. He's Do you know better. what's nice though? Do you know what I really enjoy about this discussion we're having right now? 12 months ago, there was a discussion whether Jason Tatum would ever become a top 15 player in the league. Now we're arguing because he missed out on the top 10 by one spot. That's evolution in itself. You know what I'm saying? Real talk. Truly is, man. So for that, that means Jason Tatum just has, you know what I do like about Tatum not being in the top 10? This gives him a chance to go out there and just get better, right? Because when you have goals, when you become number one, it's really hard to stay number one. You know, even even LeBron not being number one on this list, this is probably why he comes back every year and punches people in the heart, right? Like he puts the dagger in your heart because you keep doubting him. I, I, it's something about doubting people, doubting players, doubting whatever that just drives them. Jason Tatum is starting to show, and I, I'm not saying he he's the, has the Mamba factor or whatnot, but he's starting to show that he has that, you know, that leadership capability that you go ahead and doubt me if you want to, but I'm going to come out here and ball out. When I watch Jason Tatum get the ball, when he's not passing and he, he, he strips down to like this ISO, I, I say to myself, please don't dribble the ball. But he has this move when it's like, wham, step back. Whew, and I'm just like, okay, it goes in I can, and it's consistent. So I can't be mad at him because that's what he's doing. He's progressing in his game. He's not going to always be able to drive to the paint. He's not going to always be able to pull up to shoot the three. He's going to have to get the ball in ISO depending on if he has the ball down with the shot clock going down. So Jason Tatum is progressing, like you said, Adam and Tim. And I just can't wait to see what this kid keeps giving. We better give this guy the super-duper magnifying max, and we are going to be happy with Jason Tatum going forward for years to come. I agree with that. Before we end up going into, I think we should talk about the individual position ones. Um, that being said, I do think Kemba is around where he should be right now, just based on his health issues he's had this season and just trying to get acclimated to Boston. I think having him in the top 25, I think that's fair. Uh, we'll have to get at the point guard ones and see where he ranks amongst them. I'm sure we're going to have some squabbling about that. I do think Jalen Brown kind of got snubbed a little bit here for him to be that far back. Um top. He's at he's I, 30, actually, yep. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, like, looking at stats and just, like, I know I'm looking at, like, the very basic level, and I won't pretend that this is just all it is, but in terms of shooting, he's having one of his best seasons. He's 49% from the field, and he's 38% from three. And both of those stat lines are very similar to what Jimmy Butler has, and they're around the same points per game and about the same rebounds per game. So I just – I know that there's more to it. I think Jimmy Butler is – meant far more to what the Miami Heat need versus what Boston needs. But Jalen Brown has fulfilled his role to a similar capacity in terms of just the basic points per game, rebounds per game, shooting percentages, hitting the shots he's supposed to make. You know what I think? I don't get, I don't think that bar is 21 spaces difference in my I, opinion. I, I totally agree. But you know what I think it is? Let me ask you this question. What, what option is Jalen Brown on the Boston Celtics? What if you had to give it a number? Is he one, two, three, three. four, five, six? Three. All right, I well, agree. Three. So Jim, but Jimmy Butler is probably option one. And, and and typically when you're in option one, you just get the, you you get the bonus, like you 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 get the, you know, and I think that's what it comes down. to. But this is the point, right? He's the first. He's the first option in Miami, putting up less points or equal amounts of points 
to the third option in Boston. The only difference is Jimmy's become far more of a facilitator this season. He's, his assist numbers have gone up and he's kind of took a step back from trying to... Right. Yeah, to, from initiating contact and initiating an offensive movement by penetration to teeing up guys. And that's part of playing with Bam as well because when you're playing with Bam you've, and you're both moving the ruck, then things are going to start opening up because of the threat from deep and the threat from the roll. However, but if you're the first option on a team like Miami where you've been brought in to shoulder that workload and shoulder that offensive requirement, you should be putting up better numbers than what you are, especially from free. You can't shoot 24.8% from deep and be the number one option on a team and then make a top 10 list above a guy like Jason Tatum. That's where my argument is at the moment, just that three-point shooting and the fact that if you're the number one option, Tatum's the number two option on a team that's far more offensively stacked than Miami and still putting up comparable numbers. Is Tatum the number two option? He started number two, ended the season number one. So you can call him the first option if you want, but he was never the first option at the start of the year. That was Kemba. Kemba, got you. All right, man, let's get to these position breakdowns. Top 15 at each position. All right, so let's start with the point guards. We'll end with the centers. So number 15, you got Spencer Dinwiddie. 14, D'Angelo Russell. 13, Fred Van Fleet. 12, Eric Bledsoe. 11, De'Aaron Fox. 10, John Moran. I like that kid. I like that kid a lot. 9, Kimba Walker. Number 8, Trey Young. Number 7, Russell Westbrook. Number 6, Kyle Lowry. Number five, Kyrie Irving. Number four, Ben Simmons. Number three, Chris Paul. Number two, Damian Lillard. And the number one point guard, Luka Doncic. Do me a favor, read 15 through 13 again for me, please. 15 through 13 coming right up. It, this amazing list of point guards. Um, 15, you got Spencer Dinwiddie. He cracked the top 15. So Brooklyn Nets have two point guards in the top 15. 14, D'Angelo Russell and Fred Van Fleet at 13. So my question to you is, is, is Shea Gilgis Alexander not better than one of those three guys? From, from OKC? Yeah. And that's my point. Like, SGA should have made the top 15, in my opinion. Yeah, like, at least, to, at least over Spencer, right? Or, or, or Russell. I don't get why Kyrie Irving is top five when he missed so much of the season. I don't like Kyrie Irving is a great player. And I know that like, as a Celtics fan, it is very hard to say Kyrie Irving is a great player. And Not for me. Was, yo. I, I, <laughs> I'm I, just saying I'm trying to remove all the bias from it. Trust me. I still have the Jersey in my closet. I didn't burn it. I promise. Yeah, but me neither. I still I got just, a pair of sneakers. It's Look, I, I like Kyrie Irving, and I think he's a great player, but I don't – how many games did he play? Did he play less than 50 this season? I think it was less than 50. You I, know? All right. I know he started the season off heavy. Like, he was going hard. And then he started missing games. So, um, he – 20. He played – It's it, <laughs> if I'm reading this right, it says he played 20 games. This season is no exception. Through his 20 – 
appearances, he's averaged 27.4 points and 6.4 assists on the second highest true shooting percentage of his career. He is shooting lights out, guys. Yeah, but what's the the what is the record of the Nets? Enough to be in these playoffs. <laughs> Just barely, right though? Because they're 17, they're 38 and 34. But and that's where that's probably why Dinwiddie is on this list. Because he's been able he was able to play enough games to where he had to start, whether he came off the bench. He was with their six man at first. The the thing I want to say about that is so I know that the season got cut short. And just to give you an idea, and I won't compare it with the Celtics, but the Nets played 64 games. Kyrie Irving played basically less than a third of the games. How does he get top five when he missed two-thirds of the season? Because he's Kyrie Irving? No, because it's – I don't want to get into it. You know what? I was going to say something mean. You can't – I just think these rankings are just ridiculous. Yeah, fault a guy – you shouldn't – sorry, you, you can, but you shouldn't fault a guy due to injury. That goes for anything. At, this st- At the same time, you can't you can't mark him in the top five when he missed two thirds of the season. Oh yeah, he was he was a top five point guard in the third of the season that he played. It's not saying that he played on the first twenty games. It's just over the span of time he was able to sustain that high percentage rate over the twenty games that he played. Right. So I feel like I'm not saying he should be in the top five. I'm just trying to give you an example of why. You know, other than these people are biased, like why the why he's in there? You know, just yeah, like- and he shouldered the load when he was there. When he was on the floor, his usage rate was through the roof. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not hating on Kyrie. Like I, I feel like top five is fine. Like, but I see where you're coming from too, Tim. Like, if you're gonna look at the overall, not from what they've done this season and where Steph Curry. Well, I think it's less about that. Like, I don't. Steph, I'm not denying his impact. Sorry, man, go on. No, no, no. I just, I just, did Steph Curry play any games? Right. So that's why he wouldn't be on this list. But going into next season, if he does play, oh, I, next season is going to be fun because we're going to have a, like, all these point guards hopefully will be deemed healthy, right? So Kimball will be healthy. Like, he'll, this will be his second year on the, t- like, he'll understand, like, what's going on, blah, 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 whatnot. Kyrie will be healthy. He'll have Kevin Durant, so the load won't be on him. What's another point guard that we ain't seen? I'm not sure why SGA is not on this list. I, I can't – if you pulled up his stats, I guarantee you that he should be on this list. I like Fred Van Fleet. I, I, I guess I could see why he's he's in the top, what, 13. I feel like he's Toronto's version of Smart. Yeah. You think so? Yeah, he's in terms of, guy. like, emotional yeah. energy, yeah, yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't notice that. I know. I mean, he was great in the finals, man. Yeah, he was. He played was. out of his mind. He did. He did. Carl Lowry, on the other hand, I can see why he's made it, uh, but that's just not. I'm right. just not high on Lowry as a point guard. I think that he's a he's a passable guard. Like he's definitely a starting guard in the league, and you know, he had a, he always seems to have a rough start to the playoffs, and then to kind of levels himself out as the team gets deeper into the tournament. But I just don't see him as like a, where did he rank? Six guys. I don't see him as a top six point guard in the league. I, I can't see that, bro. I think the correlation is the fact that the Raptors have the second best record in the East. I think it's the reason for it. But then at the same time, you know, you look at a situation where Kyrie Irving's five and the Nets are four games below 500. Like, I'm fine with Luca being number one. Like, I'm cool Absolutely. with that. No complaint about that. 
Is is SGA is he a point guard or or a two guard? Well, he's played mostly two this year because he's been playing alongside CP3, which is also why CP3 is higher up anyway. And that's probably why he's not on that top fifteen list. That okay? Is he on the two guard list? They didn't get to that, so let's go to the two guard list. All right. Yay. And and shout out to Chris Paul. He's like fifty years old. He's still playing at an elite level, yo. That that's a guy. That that that's that's a good guy. Chris Paul did so much more than I think we all expected this season. I mean, they literally had to move his contract just out of the way, and it's kind of crazy how that worked out. Where it was just like a perfect swap of contracts with Russell Westbrook and CP3. That's a crazy trade. We don't need to touch upon that today, but. You guys are going to chew this list up. Ready? Danny Green, 15. Tim Hardaway at 14. Evan Fournier, 13. Buddy Held at 12. Marcus Smart at 11. Zach Levine at 10. CJ McCollum at 9. Donovan Mitchell at 8. There's your boy. SGA at 7. Told you. Jalen Brown at 6. Devin Booker at 5. Drew Holiday at four. Who's the point guard if Drew is... Oh, Lonzo. Lonzo. My bad. Bradley Bill at three. Number two is Paul George. And the number one shooting guard in the NBA is Mr. Rocket himself, James Harden. Okay, so yeah, I'm cool. SJ is a two guys. You're putting him in the top 10. I'm cool with that. Now I'm annoyed that Lonzo didn't make the top 15 point guards. Cards. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Like, look, if SGA does, like, SGA should be picked over Lonzo in terms of point guards. If you're classing SGA as a two this year, which is perfectly fine, he was a one last year, he's playing two guards alongside CP3 this year. I can see your train of thought. Where's Lonzo, bro? Like, that dude has elevated his game so much. He's reworked his entire jump shot, he's learned how to quarterback a team. He's, him and Zion have become telepathic. Like, yo, bro, if you're throwing Zion on this list at any point, then you need to throw Lonzo in because Lonzo has helped make Zion's transition to the league rather pleasurable. I would also say, I just want to add some context to this because Lonzo Ball is a guy that Adam is very high on. He also wrote an article about it for his newsletter. You should follow (laughs) Adam Taylor's newsletter. I definitely agree there. Links in my bio on Twitter. Absolutely. <laughs> I think lots of ball is taking some big steps forward. And I think a change of scenery is definitely going to help him. And I'm interested to see how that young core develops with New Orleans. It is kind of weird that he didn't make the top 15 for point guards. It's weird. Yeah, they, they're going to be tough. But they got their shooting guard, Drew Holiday, at number four overall. Let's get to the small forwards list. I like Drew at number four, though. I'm a big fan of jo- Drew Holiday. I like Jalen at number six as well. I think that's pretty good. I, think I that, am questionable on Booker. That's the only one I'll say. I'm, I'm, are you questionable because of injury? Because when he's on the floor, he's like lights freaking out. I haven't seen a season of Devin right. Booker where I haven't been like, this is, I haven't seen him generally improve. Yeah, he, he, is, it's my issue with Donovan Mitchell as well. Like Donovan Mitchell came into the league absolutely dominated no one expected Donovan Mitchell to be the player that he was coming in as a rookie but Donovan Mitchell yeah it's been it's been flatlined since he came in and the level he was at when he came into the league is the level he's at right now maybe minor adjustments but there's no huge jump it's probably probably not as much for Devin Booker I feel like he's become a bit more of a crafty finisher around the rim he's he's kind of learned how to pick his jump shots coming over screens and stuff a little bit better but there's been no like major jump to say he's a transcendent scorer. 
All right, so small forwards going forward. T.J. Warren at 15. Duncan Robinson, 14. O.G. Anube. Anunabu? Anunabi? Anunabi. They got players all over this list. Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre is in the top 15. Nice. <laughs> I hated him, too. Joe Ingles at 11. Is it Bohan Bogdanovich? Uh, at- I believe that's Bo- Bojan. Bojan, Bojan Bogdanovich. Doesn't he have a brother that plays for the Kings? No. I think no. it's just like it's just the last name kind of thing. Gotcha. Will Barton at nine. Wow, Will Barton? Really? He old too. That's what I said. DeMar, DeMar DeRozan at eight. This is pretty cool. List. Gordon Hayward at seven. All right. Brandon Ingram at six. Jason Tatum at five. Milton at four. Chris Middleton at four. So Jimmy Butler at three. So they have Butler as a small four, not a two guard. Kawhi Leonard at two. And the number one small forward in the NBA, guys, is LeBron James. Okay, so I knew this was coming and I prepped this. So I went on to Basketball Index because they have some really nice tools on there. And the one tool they have is a player comparison tool. And it pulls in stats from from Synergy, from Second Spectrum, it puts them all together. So the one I'm looking at now is Chris Middleton versus Jason Tatum. And I'm just going to go through the quick rough talent comparison that they've got up on there. Perimeter shooting, Chris Middleton. Off-ball movement, Chris Middleton. One-on-one, Tatum. Finishing, Middleton. Roll gravity, Tatum. Playmaking and post-play both go to Middleton. Every statistical Breakdown then, perimeter and interior D, Tatum, offensive and defensive rebound, Tatum. To me, that says that Middleton is an offensive-only guy compared to Tatum. Tatum's doing things on both ends of the floor. Now, I'm sorry, but when your guy is able to stop plays and make plays to protect the glass and attack the glass, whether or not it's at a shade, whether his ability to attack the glass is a shade below the other guy, the defense should then put you ahead. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, if you can, if you can protect the, your, your end of the court and you can attack on the opposite end of the court, both at all-star level, bro, you need to switch them two around real quick. That, that was my whole argument. That was my whole argument being 11 and 10 as the top 100 players. And that's my argument right here. Very tough. I'm not happy. So, <laughs> so now I get – so I don't know why I always thought Jimmy Butler was a two-guard. I, I mean, he was. For the longest time, he was the yeah. starting shooting guard for the Bulls. Well, until they tried to bench him. Until they should, right? <laughs> wow, it didn't go over well. I mean, this that's is, a coach I really don't rate. Either his tips. Yeah, that's a that's a rather that's a rather that's a rather weird list. Let's get to these to the big guys. Let's get to the bigs. Let's go to the power forwards. All right, there we go. Jaron Jackson Jr. at fifteen. Jonathan Isaac at fourteen. Give me a second. Do, 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 do. 13, PJ Tucker. 12, Aaron Gordon. 11, Tobias Harris. There's your guy. <laughs> my guy. You want to talk about dinosaur? This guy's ancient. Number 10. He is the top, a top 10 power forward in the NBA, and he plays for the Denver Nuggets. Who am I? Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap. God, he's still balling at a high level. Yeah, he's. I've got no issues with him being in the top 10 either. None I, at all. 
Am I the only one that wanted him over Al Horford at the time? Okay, I'll keep my my my, my things to myself. All right, Kevin Love at number nine. <clears throat> number eight, John Collins. Now he played and he was injured a lot too, but he still cracked this list. Number seven, Chris Stapps Porzingis. Number six, how? Danilo Gallinari. Number five, Demontis Sabonis. I like that guy. Number four, Zion Williamson. Number three, Pascal Siakam. Number two, AD. And the number one power forward in the NBA is... Giannis. Yo, top three, I'm completely fine with. Top three, I'm completely fine with. I'm kind of think that if you're Kevin Love, you know that this is probably the last year you're going to be ranked in the top 10 for your position across the league. He's, um, he's fell off quite a bit. A lot of that's because he's not happy with the losing situation over in Cleveland. Part of its age. However, his game doesn't rely on athleticism, so he will be around for a bit. The one I was kind of... Who, who is it you said how? Who, did, who do you want? Number, Number seven. Is, hold on. Number seven was... Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I'm loving it. Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah, Number I'm cool. Six, Number six was... Oh, Gallinari. Yeah, now Gallo's had a good season. He's um, I like Gallinari. I remember there was a time a few years back. I was when he was when he was looking at getting out of Denver that I was kind of saying like I'd like him in Boston. I could understand him coming off the bench. He's a big dude. He can use his body well. He's got a solid drop step on him from the post. However, I feel like Chris Stapp should be above Danilo. He can shoot as well. Yeah, if it lights out, dude. I just feel like Chris Stapps can do a little bit more, a little bit better. I think I mean, it took him a little while to get momentum, though. He, it took him a little while to get used to it because he was coming back from that injury. Yeah, it was like two years out, like 18 yeah, dude, months he missed out. Like, yeah, he missed like two seasons. Um, but with the way that that was working around, I think they just tried to get used to him, to Dallas's system, and getting used to playing next to Donkic, I do. I think mm-hmm. that's also a thing he probably had to adjust for. But he did pick up a lot of steam, I will say that. I mean, Gallinari was a legitimate second, maybe third option for OKC. And OKC have balled out this year, man. Like Everyone expected them to tank yep. after making that trade. And Gallinari's been a big part of that. And I've always said like a few years back when he was coming off injury after injury, like if he could stay healthy, he'd be a top 10 forward in the league. So I'm not mad at that. I'd just much rather him be switched with Chris Stapps, but that's my personal opinion. What are the thoughts on Zion? I'm cool with Zion being there. He's going to be number one soon enough. He's going you to don't be... have an issue with him being four, even though he only played 19 games? And in those 19 games, he was dominating Cats. I mean, True. isn't that the same argument? Kyrie was dominating Cats in, in the 20 games? Well, that's I why I had to... <laughs> I was that's cool with I... Kyrie. Uh, I'm not cool with him. All right. Only... <laughs> It's because you. It's because you're you're saying it's for the season, and it's if maybe it's different. Get it? Maybe it's, it's a different situation if they came back later. Or, you know, well, look at the impact. Person. Look at the impact that, that the player had while he was on the floor. So when, yeah. when Zion came came into the team and started playing regularly, did New Orleans start playing better basketball? Were they playing more? substantial style of basketball where they put in more W's up on the board. When Kyrie went down injured, did the Nets start losing more games than when he was on the floor? If the answer is yes to both, then you've, your argument's been answered straight away because they were impactful for their team and their, their absence was severely felt. 
I agree, man. I get the rationale, but it works for me. Works for me. Let's get to the big guys, the centers, the C's, the the meat of these these, these lineups. All right, so here we go. Fifteen, Christian Wood. Fourteen, Valachuenis. Thirteen, Derek Favors. Uh, Twelve, Montrez Harrell. Eleven, Brook Lopez. Another ancient guy. Number ten, Steve Adams. So Steve Adams has cracked has cracked the top ten amongst the big guys. Number nine, Serge Ibaka. Number eight, Lamarcus Aldridge. Number seven, DeAndre Ayton. Number six, Nikola Vucevic. Number five, here we go, Bam Adebayo. Number four, Rudy Gobert. Oh, we're going to talk about this. Number three, Cat. Number two, Embiid. So Embiid is not the number one center, according to this. And number one center is Nikola Jokic. Completely fine with Jokic at one. I want to I wanna point out that, Wayne, you struggle with um, Eastern European surnames, huh? Hey, man, I don't say their names too often, yo. Vucevic, <laughs> Valanchunas, what, what did I say? Vukovic? Vukovic. Vucevic. I, I said Vucevic. You know what? I got I to gotta study their names more often. But, but no, no. Yeah, Jokic, I'm down. I feel like Jokic is probably the best big in the league. He can do I, so much, dude. I, I want to see what he does because he... I don't know how, but during the quarantine, he lost so much weight. So I want to see how he plays. I think he's going to play same. He's going to be quicker on his feet. Listen, I've been saying that this guy was the best center in the NBA, like, all season long. And I've been getting tortured by um, Embiid, Philly, 76er fans, all this type of stuff. And I was saying, like, this, I, I get what Embiid can do. But I don't think he impacts the like the way. Uh, first, first of all, Jokic can he can pass the ball. It's Such like a he, passer. yeah, like it's so it's good. like he's just put Magic Johnson in a center body, right? That can shoot a three and that can get to the rim and play defense. We forgot about that part. Like we forget that he blocks shots and alters people's shots. This kid is gonna be. This kid is a baller. This kid and at is, least he's recovering from COVID. Is the one thing. So I don't know if that. Oh. Is what led to his weight loss because he was over in Europe chilling for most of this quarantine. So I'm hoping he comes back and he's fine, but I still think he has to go through the quarantine process and everything last time I checked. But if this weight loss and this conditioning was all part of his plan to come back like that, I'm really interested to see what happens because Denver was a really, really good team this season. Really, really good. And if his conditioning is right, that team's – floor gets raised even higher and they could seriously be looking at a Western conference finals berth or maybe an outside chance at the finals. Yeah. I feel like Denver are one of the dark horse teams that could come in and really make some, some noise. And Jokic is a big part of that. Jokic for me, his playmaking skills are among the best in the league, regardless of position. His scoring ability is fantastic. And then you had to point the fact in that he's probably the slowest guy that the league's ever seen. And it, it just adds insult to injury, dude. Like, this guy, I can beat this guy. Like, your average Joe from the local bar will beat this dude in a foot race, and he will give you buckets all day. It's like, it gives hope to everybody out there trying to play ball, dude. Like, yo, I'm not very quick. I'm, I'm not too great at this, but if I can just learn to play like Jokic, I'm going to be an all-star. I'm, I'm cool with it, man. I'm cool with it. And the thing is as well, 
with the way the league's gone in terms of the way the way centers are used now and the way they're kind of marginalized if they're not able to stretch the floor or offer that vertical spacing there's a big drop off from the top five them from six through ten and then the drop off comes again ten through fifteen that there's very limited amounts of bigs that can do what Embiid, what Cat can do, what Jokic can do. That's why you have a guy like Steven Adams that is a polar opposite of Jokic down at 10. When as 15 years ago, Adams would have been one of the premier bigs in the league. It's, it's the change in times. I'm cool with that. I think we need to move on at this point and just look at the fact that Boston's got five guys, man in the top 500, two of which play the same position. Marcus Smart is a top, tif- top 15 shooting guard coming off the bench, bro. Which is what we need, right? We needed that from him. All, the, all these times, Marcus Smart would take these shots and we would be like, no, don't shoot the... What are you doing? And then this year, I'm sure, when he first started shooting, we were saying some of the same thing. And then, then they just started going in. And then it's like... We're confident. He's confident. We're confident now that we have someone coming off the bench that can get buckets. Now, I think Smart struggles when he has to overcompensate and do too much. You know, he's to play defense. He has to do this. He has to do that. Then it takes away from his ability to get those shots. But they leave him open. So you go ahead and leave this guy open. He will shoot a 90-foot three-pointer in your face because that's, that's what he does. That's what he's getting good at. So... That's our Damian Lillard, man. You you give it to me. I'm picking Marcus Smart all day. Big shot smart. No. <laughs> I'm picking Lillard over Smart regardless, dude. You put Marcus Smart or Damian Lillard, he don't hit them shots. Oh, you're talking like matchups. You're not uh, talking about okay. shooting. Oh, okay, no. that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Say, yeah, yeah like we need context so... right there. Woo. <laughs> Yeah. Who's it? Who was who was fifteen through thirteen at centers? I've got, I'm curious here. One second, you said fifteen through. Christian Wood was fifteen. Was fifteen. Um, I know we had we had a couple of guys in there. Derek Favors was in there. Hold on, let me give you fifteen. Fifteen was Wood. Fourteen was Valachunas. 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 Oh, it should be Chuenis, but it's Chuenis. And Derek Favors was thirteen. Okay. Now, Derek Favors, I get because the statistics for when he's on and off the court for New Orleans are ridiculous, man. He shores up their defense ridiculously good. Vanantunis, so bad. I like Vanantunis. He's a bench guy now. He comes off the bench and really alters things for Memphis when they're struggling to get points, and he can stretch the floor quite well. The only thing I'm trying to say is what I'm trying to beat around the bush is no love for Daniel Tice. No love. I mean, I mean, question, and I'm not going to, like, I've watched quite a few of these guys play a fair chunk this season. One of those guys I haven't seen play enough to make a fair assessment on is Christian Wood. Is Christian Wood a better big than Daniel Tice at this point? I don't think so. Have you seen enough of him to make a decision? Like, I'm being honest, I haven't watched enough of him to say. I haven't anything. watched enough of him, but I know that he was a guy that the Celtics were targeting at the trade deadline. It's a player that Detroit did not want to part with. And he was having like a breakout season. He's expected to get a payday. I don't know how much that's been impacted by COVID and the cap, but I still think Daniel Tice has taken such steps forward. I remember us sitting here months ago wondering what the heck is going to happen at the five spot. 
Is it Daniel Tice's job to lose? Is Ennis Kaner going to come in and be better than we expected on defense? And Daniel Tice kind of just blew expectations out of the water. For him to not even be considered in there when he's one of the best defensive centers, one of the best at getting, you know, screen assists, even though it's not really a stat they track too much, but he, he's – It should be. Screen. It should be because he's, he's right in that fine line whenever he sets up the screens of, like, it being, like, a legal pick. He's, like, just doing everything just perfectly. I just think he's one of those guys who get more love. So when we came into this podcast recording, the aim was to do half the show – breaking down the top 100 and the other half of the show talking about the media availability and Celtics news that came out. That didn't work. We've run the entire show looking at his top 100. Uh, no, like, you know. It needed have, discussing, though, no dude. Regrets. I have no regrets. I have no regrets. Yeah. I do want to send a shout-out to, to our girl, Kara, who's going to be the head coach of, of the Duke, the Duke's women basketball team. I think that's really big for her. Congratulations to her. Um, and I can't wait to see it because I can't wait to see her picture matched up against uh, my boy from UConn. So that that's going to be cool, like in the final four. I mean, the, you know, the, the the final championship if they make it. You know, her against her ex head coach. And do you know what she deserves it, dude? Like, I know that the coaching staff as a whole kind of don't get the media retention that go that falls on Brad Stevens, and that's. One of those positions where it's great when things are going good and it's bad when things aren't happening because the whole coaching staff has an impact when it's going good and when it's going bad. But Kyra Lawson came into this season and by all accounts, she was being like lauded as an insanely good development coach. She was brought in to help these guys develop. And since she's been there, you've seen... Jason Tatum take a huge jump. Jalen Brown take a huge jump. Marcus Smart take a huge jump. You can't say it's all because of her, but she's definitely, it's just the way those timelines match up, you can't kind of disregard what impact she must have had behind the scenes, especially in the film sessions, in the weight room, in the, like, you know, workouts, individual workouts. So for her to now be offered, given an opportunity to go down and coach the woman's team is a head coach. Yo, she earned that, bro. She uh, And she's a winner. She's won at every level of basketball she's ever been at. I think she's going to, two, three years max, they're probably going to win a chip with her as head coach. And oh, yeah. she's probably a lifer there now, dude. I mean, Duke tends to have people there for long tenures. It's not a short tenure type of school. No, absolutely not. And I think it's important, as you said, with somehow the players, the Celtics players specifically, have come out and just talked about her talked about you know their opinion of Kara and how they've worked with her and everything by all accounts it seems like she's very well liked she's made an impact clearly and I mean she's only had that one year with the Celtics organization she got brought on this offseason as an assistant and she's already got a head coaching job for NCAA women's basketball so she's clearly a great basketball mind she's had success former WNBA player I'm very happy for her obviously it stinks to see you know a coaching assistant go but at the same time, it's not surprising. Boston has always found a way of getting really good people in-house for assistant coaches who have gone on or gotten offers for other positions. I mean, I remember speaking to Renee Montgomery, um, WNBA, two times WNBA champ, and uh, she's been teammates with Kara Lawson before, and she was like, the work ethic that Kara brought onto the court every day and the hustle that she brang, and, you know, everybody was, it was kind of like, the way she described it kind of made me feel like, she was a Marcus Smart mentality. You come in, you work your hardest, and you push everybody to get better. 
and that's that's the type of mentality that you can and i remember renee saying to me like um yeah you could tell she was going to go into being a coach because of the way she operated as a player she'd call you out if you missed your cut she'd call you out if you made the wrong pass or chose the wrong shooting opportunity and she as tim said man she's been there one year in boston and she's made enough of an impact for a team to be like you should be a head coach and now she's got that opportunity all good luck to her man I mean, the rest of the news for the, what's come out over the weekend, we can, we can talk about that for Wednesday's episode because any longer than this, and it's, I mean, we've been running past the allotted time anyway. I've got a guest interview coming this week as well, y'all, so make sure to tune into that. If I told you who, then it wouldn't be as cool. <laughs> it's not a player, unfortunately. <laughs> but myself, Mr. Breezy, Mr. Tim, we're all going to be back again on Wednesday. And now basketball's back. We're going to be here three times a week again, like normal. Can't wait. Can't wait. Peace out, guys. Make sure to hit that like button, the subscribe button, the five-star review button. Leave something nice in the writing section. We'd love to see that. If it's not going to be nice, please don't leave it. Tim's got his cat. And we'll catch you guys later.